1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Visitor's Bullpen. I'm Matt Wyark, alongside my co-host, Kevin Haswell. Kevin, how are you feeling right now?
2: I'm doing pretty well. A little sad yesterday because the Atlanta Braves, uh, Ozzy Albies, hit a home run uh, last night. He was the first player in Major League Baseball to hit a home run that was born in the year of 1997. Uh, Kind of made me feel old. He's actually six months younger than me, so, uh, man, I feel old now. Jeez,
1: same. I'm 1997 as well. That's just crazy. I didn't even know that. Well, we've got a guest on today, Connor McCarthy, a well-documented Orioles fan joining us. Connor, how are you feeling? Doing good, guys. Excited to be here. Yep, we've got a couple of big topics today. This is our first time jumping up to 45 minutes on an episode, so brace yourselves for more Matt and Kevin plus Connor. Um, We've got a couple of big topics. We... Wanted to touch really big on what the biggest flaw is for every major contender, but we're going to get to that in a little bit. First all first up is Jose Altuve, who has absolutely killed it in the month of July, was the sixth highest batting average in a month since 1961. Absolutely crazy numbers. He's leading the league in baseball references version of war. Batting title all around, he's just been absolutely a fantastic player and with Aaron judge's downfall. It's kind of emerged as he's kind of emerged as the number one MVP candidate at this point in the season. So Kevin, we'll start with you. What do you think is the most impressive aspect of Jose Altuve's play?
2: Well, the first thing I I found out today, which I thought was pretty interesting. Um, when he tried out in Venezuela for the, for the Astros, he was actually sent home from the first tryout, uh, because they thought he was lying about his age. Um, I just thought that was an interesting little fact, but, uh, what impresses me about Jose Altuve is like he's 5 foot 6 and the guy mashes the ball. Like he his slugging percentage this year is 5'70", 12th in all of baseball. Um you you just don't see a guy of that size hitting for that much power. Uh to go along with that throughout his career he's been developing that power. Uh in 2014 he had 7 home runs. Uh last year up to 24 and he's on pace to hit over 20 again this year. Um very impressive. And then the thing that really impresses me the most is his defense. You would think at at his height, he might be a little bit of a liability in the field. Uh, doesn't have as much range maybe because he's shorter, doesn't have the stride, but he's one of the best defensive second basemen in all of baseball. In 2015, he won a gold glove with a fielding percentage of 99.3%. Um, he's really developed into one of the best all around players in all of baseball. And I really hope he wins MVP, but who knows with, you know, we'll talk about Mike Trout later, but, uh, Yeah, Altuve's been terrific.
0: I definitely have to agree with you, man. I mean, he's one of the most exciting players to watch in baseball. Every time I turn on the TV and he's on, I mean, I stop and watch. I mean, he was 25 pounds less than me in high school, and he was three inches shorter, and I was considered short, and I definitely couldn't reach the fence. So I don't know how the guy does it. But it's crazy to watch him. Five-time All-Star, three silver sluggers, and he's one of the most feared hitters in baseball.
1: It's crazy. What impresses me the most is just how consistently good he's been. Not only has he, he's on pace to win his third batting title in four years, which is just an unfathomable stat, but just this year alone, he hit 326 in April, 313 in May, 354 in June, 485 in July, and five games in August, he's only hitting 286. So every month, it's just day in and day out, doesn't give up an at bat the guy it doesn't matter if he's down 13 to 2 he's going to give it his all on every single pitch that's something you've got to admire i mean aaron judge fell down to earth in july hit 230 now he's got a 222 average in june so disappointing to say the least from a guy that was probably the most talked about player in the first half but it just goes to show that Altuve's experience and ability to adjust has just been unparalleled. And as good as Judge was before, his numbers are not going to be able to hold up with Altuve's if he continues to fall like this.
2: Yeah, it's interesting because Altuve's actually, in his career, never been on the disabled list in seven seasons. Um, and throughout his career, he's he's really improved, which is hard to believe because he's been a terrific hitter his whole career. You know, back going back to 2014, he hit three forty one. OPS plus of 135, but then last year OPS plus of 155, and then this year 175. So there's just a constant improvement, even with the slugging percentage. He went from 830 now, this or with the OPS of 830 this year, all the way up to 993 or 830 in 2014 up to 993 this year. So, uh, not only one of the best players in baseball, but one of the most improved players over his career, and it's great to watch. I mean.
0: One of the things that's always been there for for Jose has been his uh, speed. I mean, speed can't be taught in baseball, and he has 24 stolen bases on the year. He's only been caught five times. I know he's had he's been um, he's been the league leader in steals two times in his career. I mean, he has all the power and everything that you're seeing now as he's developed. But that speed factor's always been there for him, and it'll continue to be there for him. And I just think that's a huge part of his game, and that's also impressive
1: to watch. And Kevin, you mentioned before that his power is developing as well, which is just makes him even closer to that five tool player. Obviously, he's not hitting Giancarlo Stanton or in judge numbers for home runs, but at the same time, that progression from seven over to 15 to 24, and now he's at 16 already on this season. I mean, that's just incredible. And it's funny because. He actually is striking out more this season, so you'd think, okay, what's up with that? Well, he's receiving, he's getting a lot less fastballs and more breaking balls, which, I mean, you'd expect for a player that finished third in MVP voting last year, he wouldn't see as many fastballs, but he's adjusted. He's hitting opposite field more than he ever has in his career. He's shortening up his swing when he has to on two strike counts, which he's always been good at no matter what the year was. I mean, that's been a pretty well-documented thing that it's just incredible that he's been able to continue to get better even as the league has adjusted he's still only 27 he's got his prime ahead of him i mean there's some amazing things in store for this guy and with the astros in first place it's going to be fun to watch them in october
2: yeah it's interesting as you kind of look at players whose power numbers go up usually their stolen bases kind of lagger behind or lag behind and uh, you see that kind of with Mike Trout. I know he stole 30 bases last year, but earlier in his career, when he the power numbers went up, you know you saw the stolen bases go down. And with Altuve, it's consistent stealing bases, hitting home runs. Um, so it's it's awesome.
0: It's incredible to think about that with all the slugging power that the Astros have and how good an offense they are. That that, that Jose Altuve at five foot six is actually one of the most feared hitters. I mean, I think I'd rather face, I wouldn't I'd rather face anybody on the Astros lineup than Jose. In all honesty.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Carlos Correa was an MVP candidate before he went down, and he's hitting 44 points lower than Altuve is, despite the fact that Altuve's played over 20 more games. I mean, that's just insane to think about, like, how consistently good and how, you know, even as we go on throughout the season, he hasn't been able to falter at all. I mean, his OPS plus is 175, which means he's 75% better than the average hitter. That's That's just insane to think about from a guy of his height, with his background, like you said, they thought he was lying about his age. I mean, kind of came out of nowhere and developed into this all- perennial all star. It's incredible to see. And
2: talk and talk about value. The Astros are only paying him four and a half million dollars this year. Um, that's the highest of his career, and it's, I mean, for a player of his caliber, he should make twenty five, thirty million a year. So,
1: well, he's got team options in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen. So. Um, He'll definitely be locked up through then. So that free agency class in 2020, when uh, doing the quick math, it's three years. So he'll be 30 at that point. He should definitely fetch a hefty deal, even though he'll be heading into his 30s if he continues to keep up his numbers. I mean, three silver sluggers, a gold glove, uh, two, two top 10 MVP finishes, and surely a third this year. Uh, he's going to be a hot commodity come his free agency class.
0: Well, think about it. The new age of second baseman. I think there's a lot of great second base in the league more than ever, I think, with I mean Cano, obviously, my boy Scope, Altuve, and they're just getting better and better as the years progress, and I think Altuve just really is the face of that. He just combines it all, and I just think he will be a star for years to come, and when you look back on all the second basemen, his name will stand out more than anybody's.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that you brought up Jonathan Scope, because if you really dive into his numbers this year... um, he could be an MVP candidate, but it's just so tough with all the great, great guys in the American League. You know, the I know Aaron Judge has tailed off, but Mike Trout and Jose Altuve um, and some other players out there, right in the mix with Scope. But uh, any other year, I think you know maybe if you put Scope in the National League, he's towards the top of the list. But it's it's incredible what what Scope has turned into. The one bright spot for the for the Orioles this year.
0: Oh, the one bright spot, but um, <laughs> of course. It- Scope is really flat on the radar on a lot of people. I mean, if you look at his career numbers, he's been progressing towards this season every year. He's gotten better every year. His strikeout numbers have gone down. His patience obviously getting more walks, and I think that's a key. He's also using the right field way more. His power to all fields, and he's really just showing what he can do this year. I think he will be able to continue the success. I mean, if this his career trend line is true, then he should continue to have success he's always had.
1: Yeah, it's interesting you bring up that second baseman debate, which really isn't a debate, as I said earlier. Altuve's OPS plus is 175. The next closest MLB second baseman is Daniel Murphy at 144. So it really is far and away. Altuve in a class of his own and then everybody else. So, I mean, talk about dominance. Scope's over there at 139, which puts him at fourth uh, in baseball among second basemen, which is, I mean, he's only 25. So you've got a bright future ahead of him. How many more years is he locked up, do you know?
0: I think it, we have him for two more years, I believe. I'm not 100% on that. I don't have that on me. But I will say the one thing that Altuve just does better. Scope is a decent defender, but he's nowhere near this, the fluid as uh, Altuve has. I mean, he has a cannon for an arm, but Altuve, there's nothing that matches Altuve in his range.
1: Yeah, Murphy is definitely a questionable fielder, to say the least. Um, he far and away leads. Uh, the Nationals and negative defensive runs saved. I don't know the exact number, but I mean, for as great as a hitter as he is, you'll take that every day of the week and twice on Sundays. But um, it's a liability for sure, and you want to have a good defensive shortstop over there. So with Turner hurt, it's kind of been a interesting thing to look at with Wilmer Defoe filling in. But overall, Altuve is the best second baseman, and it's not even close.
2: Yeah. So I just actually looked up the contract or uh, Scopes contract, and he's. Uh, available to hit free agency for the first time in 2020. So after this season, he's got another two years. Um, And they, this is the first year he's made more than a million. So great bargain for, for the Orioles.
1: Yeah, you got to love those value contracts. Speaking of value contracts, let's get into what the biggest flaw of every major contender is. And we're going to start with the team that looks like it has no major flaw. And that would be the Los Angeles Dodgers. Right now, they are sitting with the best record in baseball over at a hefty 79 and 32 they are 44 and 7 over the last 51 games which is an absolutely incredible stat they've been at their best even with Clayton Kershaw on the DL Connor will go ahead and hit you with the hardest question of the day what is the biggest flaw for the Dodgers heading into the rest of the season
0: well like you said there's not many flaws to be found with this team but um I think their biggest weakness overall will have to be their health it's their starting pitchers, all of them have spent time on the DL this season, at least a little bit, and 24 players overall have hit the DL. I don't think there's many falls with this team, obviously when 70 wins and being historically good, but if anything it just comes down to if they'll be healthy when it comes time to play in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, that is a big question, especially with those arms, as you mentioned. Kershaw's already on the DL, so is Brandon McCarthy. Alex Wood spent time there. Rich Hill had that blister problem, and Hugh Darvish's well-documented injury history is pretty uh, alarming to say the least as well. So while they've definitely got all that top-heavy talent, um, there's there's some question marks there for sure as to whether they can hang in there through the end of the season.
2: Yeah, I had a lot of trouble with uh, this question because, you know, you just watched the Dodgers, you know, 44-7 and in the last 51 games. Just insane. Um, there's not a lot of concerns for me. Uh, I kind of nitpicked through the, these, so... Um, they're 18th in Major League. I, I I tried to find a number where they weren't top ten in Major League Baseball, and it was it was extremely tough. Uh, one of them is stolen bases. Uh, I could nitpick and say you know in the playoffs uh, you need sometimes you need to be able to manufacture runs, and if they don't have guys that can steal bases, it's gonna be tough to do that. Um, but then again, uh, I did find one major flaw that that could really hurt them in the playoffs. Um, they're 14th in Major League Baseball in starters' innings, averaging 5.6 innings out of their starters per game. Uh, the Giants actually lead Major League Baseball uh, as their starters are going over six innings a game. While the Dodgers are leading Major League Baseball in both starter and bullpen ERA this year, they need more innings from their starters. The bullpen is performing extremely well, but if the starters continue to not go as far in games, the bullpen will start to get tired and they will need to be rested um, come playoff time. So uh, I it, this kind of goes hand-in-hand co- hand with with the injuries and the health Connor alluded to. But um, if they don't have a healthy rotation, if they don't have Kershaw back, they're going to need the rest of their rotation to go deep in the game. So um, that's a major concern for me.
1: Yeah, you know, I was looking at that rotation with all those left-handers, and I was like, they've got to be struggling against righties, right? Nope, of course. They lead Major League Baseball with the lowest batting average against by left-handed batters, which is just absolutely incredible. Or sorry, right-handed batters. Lefties are third. So they're just dominating hitters left and right. It doesn't matter where they're hitting from. But I, I think the biggest thing that's concerning for me is just the youth on that team. Obviously, young players are exciting. And watching Cody Bellinger building 32 home runs already on this season, Corey Seager playing like an MVP candidate two years in a row, that's that's exciting stuff. And it, it's absolutely so much fun to see. But at the same time, when you get into the playoffs and you've got these guys who Really haven't gone deep in the playoffs. Obviously, they made the NLCS last season. But other than that, the Dodgers have overall just struggled to get out of that first round, especially in Clayton Kershaw's woes in the playoffs are well documented as well. So you've got Alex Wood, who's 26, Cody Bellinger, 21, Seeger 23, Chris Taylor, 26, Peterson, 25, Puig, 26. That's a lot of guys who are still on those rookie contracts or um, playing out their first uh rookie contracts. So I would like to see a little more veteran presence. Obviously, you've got Chase Utley, a world champion, 38 years old, hitting at bottom of the order and kind of providing that veteran presence for them, which is absolutely important. And I don't want to take that away. But at the same time, you've got him and Rich Hill, and that's about it in terms of uh, veteran leadership. So Justin Turner, who's 32, you wouldn't necessarily think as maybe like the old grizzled vet. But at the same time, he's really taken advantage and and held up that leadership role. So while the youth and inexperience is a little bit alarming, they've got some levy-headed guys um, at the back end of that offense, and actually in the middle of that offense. So I wouldn't be worried necessarily about it, but it's definitely something to take note of. And if it proves to be a problem come playoff time, I wouldn't be completely surprised.
2: Well, I I like that you brought up the veteran presence, because Adrian Gonzalez is actually set to come back from the DL. So do you what do you think, Matt, what do you think they do with Adrian Gonzalez? Um, you know, veteran presence been one of the best uh left handed hitters of this of this century. Um do they they bring him off the bench, hit him towards the end of the lineup? What do they do with a, a great veteran hitter that maybe um they have to shift guys around to be able to get him in the lineup?
1: You know, it 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 kind of reminds me of what the Nats did with Ryan Zimmerman back and i believe it was 2014 when he was on the disabled list for most of the season and they made a few moves and there just wasn't really room for him in the lineup. He was playing in the outfield at one point, playing third, playing first. So they didn't really know what to do with him. They decided to put him on the bench and you know, he becomes a pretty lethal bench bat. I mean, like you said Gonzalez is one of the best lefties of this uh century so having a left-handed bat with that kind of repertoire is absolutely just something you really want to see and makes the Dodgers all the more deeper obviously the injuries have been a concerning thing about this team but they've also paved the way for guys like Bellinger and Chris Taylor to come up and show what they're really made of and show that they belong to play in the major leagues that's only made this team deeper on the depth chart and having a guy like Adrian Gonzalez on your bench while well, sure that's a you know he's a vet who's been around and been meant a lot to this team, but at the same time he's he's a good bench bat. He would be an asset that any team would want to have. So I wouldn't hate the idea of keeping him on the bench and you know shifting him around to give other guys days off and stuff. But with the way the rest of the lineup's hitting right now, there's really nowhere to put him. So I would say the bench should be a good role for him throughout the rest of the season.
0: There's definitely nothing wrong with having Adrian Gonzalez come off the bat off the bench. In the ninth inning and facing a big uh, in a big spot, you'd rather have nobody out there than him. And once again, I'm gonna go back to that rotation. I mean, I was looking at some of the statistics today. When you Darvish at a 3.81 ERA is your worst ERA. I mean, that's just ridiculous. The entire team. I mean, they lead uh, the MLB and ERA as a team. Their bullpen ERA leads the league 3.07. I just I don't see any team beating the Dodgers when it comes to playoff time unless there's an injury or two and that once again like Matt said it has to do with uh, the young arms if they hold up I think they take the World Series.
2: Yeah but that's the great thing about baseball I mean you look at other sports uh, the Warriors you know win 70 games every year and you know you can basically pencil them in to the finals or even a championship but in baseball it's not always the best team that makes it to the to the World Series so um, it'll be interesting come playoff time because it's you know in baseball it's it's whoever's high at the right time and right now i know that i think the dodgers are uh five to one odds to win the world series um those are pretty low when you really think about how good they are you know if you put this good of a team into a different league as you know like i said like the nba um uh, their their chances of winning the championship are, are much higher but um it will definitely be cool to see this dodger team in the playoffs um I just don't know if I put my money on them.
1: Yeah, you know, regular season only means so much. I mean, I'm a Nats fan. I can tell you that firsthand that uh, you want to win those playoff series. And I mean, you look at like the 2001 Mariners who won 116 games, but then got bounced in the ALCS four games to one. You know that happens. It's like Kevin said. It's baseball playoffs. Anything can happen. It's not like the NBA where the best team is always going to almost always going to come out on top in a seven game series. There's too much that can happen in a baseball game where one any one team can beat another. So Yeah, like the Dodgers are the standalone best team, but, you know, projections only go so far and anything can happen in the playoffs. And I mean, while I'd probably bet on the Dodgers over any other team at this point, I wouldn't put it past a team like the Nats or the Brewers or the Cubs or any of those other contenders in the NL West from making a run in the postseason. So we're looking at the three top teams in most power rankings right now, and that's the Dodgers, the Nats, and the Astros. Obviously the Dodgers are at the top in most projections, but the Nats and Astros are flipped in a couple places. We'll, we'll start with Houston first as another big flaw for them. For the Nats and Astros, it's a little more obvious. We'll go to, as I said, Houston first. That rotation depth, I think, is the biggest thing that stands out to me with McCullers now in the DL and Keichel having only made 13 starts this season. fires is, has a 4.06 ERA, Charlie Morton a 3.78. That's not a lot of depth, and especially after that drop, top two, there's a significant drop-off. So I don't really like what I'd see from the Astros, obviously that lineup is ridiculous, and they're going to score a ton of runs no matter who they're facing, but it looks like the st- pitching staff could give up a lot of runs too, so I don't really know how far the Astros could go with their current rotation. Obviously, we talked last week how it was a big whiff for them to not get any rotation or bullpen help, or significant bullpen help, excuse me, they did get Francisco Liriano, but um, that pitching staff, it's definitely the most concerning to me, and I don't think they can really, while they may be the favorites right now, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they were to lose before they get to the World Series.
2: Yeah, you know, they say in other sports, like defense wins championships. In baseball, pitching definitely wins championships. Uh, they they are really struggling in their bullpen right now. Uh, 19th in Major League Baseball and bullpen ERA at 4.38. Um, it's extremely important for their bullpen to be performing well when they go into the playoffs. And I was just very disappointed at the deadline that they didn't do anything. I mean, they still have time now with with players passing through waivers and they can make deals after that. But, you know, just getting Francisco Liriano to your, like, they've won a lot out of him now because, you know, he's the only guy, only significant guy they got at the deadline. So, um, you know, I don't know how they felt confident in any way. I guess they didn't want to risk their future. Um, They didn't want to get, you know, gypped for Sonny Gray, maybe trade too much and regret it. But, you know, Sonny Gray would be a great help right now in the rotation, like Matt said, with the rotation struggling. And then the bullpen, there were so many names. I know they were close to a deal with, for Zach Britton, but that, that kind of never happened. So um, I I don't know why the Astros didn't go for it, because this doesn't happen every year. You're not one of the best teams in baseball every year. Uh, there's, a, there's an aspect of luck in the game, but... It's just ridiculous that they didn't do anything at the deadline.
0: i got to agree with both you all. It's definitely going to be the pitching, if anything, that holds Houston back this year. I was looking at all their pitching statistics and they're middle of the pack in most c- categories, except for Case uh, through uh, nine innings. They're actually number one in that, which can be important, but it doesn't matter if you're giving up dong shots to players all the time. And outside of Giles and uh, Davinsky, their bullpen is really uh, it's pretty average. I mean, they rank 19th in team ERA at 4.38, and they're going to be contending with uh, other teams that bullpens are much deeper, much better, and their offense can only carry them so far if they're facing a shutdown pitcher, such as like Kershaw in the playoffs or Scherzer if they eventually get to the World Series, I mean, but I just don't see it uh, if
1: their pitching doesn't step up a little bit. Yeah, we talked about how good a Jose Altuve's been, but at the same time, you know, Every team has great players. We're going to talk about the Angels in a little bit and how Mike Trout has an impact on his team. But, you know, he's the greatest player in baseball, and they're still floundering to stay around 500. So with that, Altuve, MVP candidate, far and away the best player in the American League, in my opinion, right now. But with that pitching staff, it's really not going to matter. It's concerning to see those home run numbers and – just the back end in general and the fr- fragility, basically, with Keichel and McCullers. You don't even know that they're both going to be healthy by the time the playoffs even roll around. And if they lose one of them, that's absolutely devastating. I can't even imagine them making it out of the first round if they lose either of those two guys. So that's important just for them to stay intact and ready once October comes. But guys like Morton and Fires have got to step up if they're going to be going deep because those Game 3s and 4s, they count just as much as 1 and two and teams that they're going to be facing will have a little bit deeper rotations, and it's going to be scary once some of those pitchers in the games three and four against them throw gems and their pitchers are left giving up five, six earned runs in the first few innings. So honestly, I think that while the Astros are standing alone at the top of the AL West and have the best record in the American League, I would honestly be really concerned if I were them. I think the Indians are in a much better place right now with their rotation and their offense finally coming around. I would be much happier as a Cleveland Cleveland fan than a Houston fan right now.
2: Yeah, um, I just I'm still flabbergasted how they didn't make a deal at the deadline. It's just I I we talked about this two weeks ago, but um. Right before the deadline, you know, if you have high chances of winning the World Series, I, I'm going to complain until, you know, they prove me wrong and they win the World Series or, or something ridiculous happens. But I, I'm, we're going to talk about the Nats in a second. And the, I'm on the same boat with the Nationals, too. I just I don't know why these teams don't go for it.
0: I mean, you're definitely right, but uh, like some cases, the Orioles, obviously, they were open to giving up some of their bullpen players and they have some great bullpen players there with Brock and Britton and O'Day and Givens they obviously had depth and they were we've been a struggling team they could have sent them over there but the Orioles were apparently asking for a king's ransom for these players and sometimes it's just not worth it they don't think unless they're absolutely sure they're going to win the World Series that year or if they have the prospects to give up but I definitely agree with Kevin that they should have made a move and got somebody in that bullpen or somebody in that rotation.
1: Yeah, I was looking at the Nats at the deadline, and I was expecting a bigger splash. I mean, apparently the Padres for Brad Hand, their price was Carter Keyboom, who is the Nats' fourth overall prospect. A middle infield prospect who's only really ele- elevated his status this season as having a breakout year down in A or single A, I can't even remember. But with the glutton of infielders that the Nats have they really don't need him and he'd be the perfect trade chip for them I thought Hand would have been a major asset he has years of control that was just kind of an inexcusable move for me I mean obviously Kinsler has paid off so far he's been great in his first few appearances with the team but you know you you would have liked to maybe even see him get a both I mean they didn't really trade top talent for Kinsler. they haven't didn't really get trade top talent at all. So having to trade one of their top guys while still managing to hold on to Robles and Soto and Fetty, who were three guys that the Nets really didn't want to let go. That still would have been considered a win for them at the deadline, having to manage to get four believers for that kind of price. So yeah, it definitely hurt the Nets that they didn't get bullpen help but I do think that these three guys having watched the team has provided some stability at the back end while there's certainly depth issues uh, when the team goes into the seventh inning leading by at least a run you know just from a fan standpoint I felt a lot more comfortable I have faith in Kinsler, Doolittle, and Madsen they've been a great trio so far have not blown a lead yet with when any of them have come in at any time since they've been acquired. So I've liked it. I honestly think that the biggest thing for the Nats has been how their starters are going to start to wear down. You know, the Nats are the only team in Major League Baseball with four starters in the top 25 of pitches per start. The closest team would be the Red Sox. They have three, but that's it. So Dusty Baker has kind of, he's an old school guy. He manages his team he doesn't like to shift his batting order around, which has also been a well-documented uh, complaint by a lot of fans this season. But another thing that he's done is he's really stretched out his starters. And for a while, he had an excuse. I mean, the bullpen has been awful. So, you know, you don't really want to give the bullpen an extra inning to blow it. So he'll try and push his starter an extra inning, and he'll give up two runs. And you're like, ah, oh, well, you know, Matt Albers wouldn't have done any better. But... It is concerning with how many pitches these guys are throwing. Gonzalez is up there. Roark is up there, even though his results haven't been so great. So you, you kind of get weary towards the end of this season. Oh, hopefully they're not going to be just throwing gas by the end and not able to keep it up. So with Scherzer already having led the majors in innings last season, he's racking them up this year. Obviously he had that neck discomfort two starts ago, but then didn't even miss a start and came back okay. So he seemed to be all right. But – Strasburg, he's on the disabled list right now. He has a massive history with injuries. Uh, Gonzalez hasn't pitched in 200 innings in five years. It's a concerning thing. And the fact that Baker, while he's on the last year of his contract, he doesn't really seem to be worried about what's happening next year because he doesn't even know if he'll be with the team. He's trying to win these games now. And while I can understand that, it's in terms of how they're going to be at the playoffs, you know, I'm a little worried.
2: Don't forget about Joe Ross, too. I mean, Tommy John surgery.
1: Yeah, well, Ross was definitely on a shorter uh, a shorter lease than everybody else. He got pulled more consistently than other starters. He's younger and doesn't have as much experience. So I did notice that Ross wasn't able to go as long as everybody else. But these four guys, I mean, they lose any of them. They're down to the... They have The Nationals are built on star talent. They've got five legitimate MVP candidates right now, which is just absolutely unfathomable to think about. But the thing is, is beyond those stars, they really don't have a lot of depth. And after those four top rotation guys, the next dude up is going to be Edwin Jackson. So it's not exactly optimal going to playoffs, uh, especially with Jackson at this point of his career. So I'd like to see these four guys intact and healthy by the time October comes around uh, to face a team like the Cubs in the first round and possibly the Dodgers in the second. So it's concerning. I think that Baker, his old school mentality, it's it's something that's been around for a while. I mean, Kerry Wood, that was a huge issue that was brought up surrounding him, that Dusty Baker drove him into the ground with by pitching him too much. So this isn't something that just started in D.C. It's been out throughout his entire managerial career. And I'm a little worried just as an Nats fan.
0: You're, you're definitely right. You need to start cutting these guys' innings now, your star players, because once playoff time comes, there's nothing stopping a guy like Scherzer or Strasburg from having a Madison Gunner type playoff run. I mean, these guys can go deep in innings they've proven before, but they're not inhuman. They have to have rest. Obviously, your bullpen isn't the greatest, but you guys can almost coast in the playoffs and start – getting your star players ready for deep inning games.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Nats are 14 games up in the division right now. They don't really need to, you know, be hard-pressed to win every game not every game counts as much as maybe it did a couple months ago so you're right Connor this is the time to rest players Baker's actually really good about resting his starting position players he gives his uh bench bats a lot of time in the starting lineup a lot more than most managers would but it keeps him fresh and you've seen it with Adam Lynn this season as being one of the best pitch hitters in baseball because he plays almost every day so he he does it with the starting position players I'd like to see him do it with the starters
2: yeah, I mean, they're, like you said, they're 14 games up, and they're not catching the Dodgers. So th- their playoff position is basically set. I don't think the Cubs can catch them. So they're basically going to get home field advantage, and they're going to play the Cubs. Uh, what it looks like it is going to happen. So I don't know. The rest of the season, you might you might just want to start uh, putting an innings limit. I know these guys are later in their career, a little older. But it never hurts to cut these guys' innings because... Uh, it would just be so unfortunate, you know. September comes around, and you know, two guys go on the disabled list, and then they they aren't fully healthy when playoff time comes around, and then you know you just threw away that season when you could have just rested guys, coasted into the playoffs. You're, I mean, they like I said, their playoff spot is is basically stamped right now. So I don't understand. I mean, I guess Scherzer's a workhorse, so you're gonna you're gonna pitch him as much as possible. But like guys like Strasburg. Um, He's had a lot of injuries in his career, so you know you need to be careful with that. Uh, I just don't know why the Nationals would risk it, and Dusty Baker just needs to cut their innings.
1: Yeah, we'll see what he does. I mean, it's going to be an exciting October regardless, so I'm excited for the Nats just to see, you know, can they shake the playoff demons finally playing a Cubs team that you know, they just took two or three against them when not throwing out Scherzer or Strasburg or Geo. They had to throw in three other guys, so it was impressive to say the least, but we'll see what happens come October. It's going to be an exciting playoffs, especially after all the players that got acquired at the deadline. I'm excited. Major League Baseball should be excited because it's going to be a fun one.
2: No, I was just going to say there's still time for teams to make deals, so um, I I could see a big blockbuster splash before the end of this, this deadline.
1: Yeah, a lot of Mets did clear waivers, so we could be seeing... Uh, Jay Bruce going somewhere, Curtis Granderson, a few guys like that. Now we've only really touched on teams that will absolutely be in the playoffs this uh, uh, October in the Dodgers, that Nationals and the Astros, but one team that is still on the bubble right now is the Angels, but they have the star power of Mike Trout, as we mentioned, who is far and away the best player in baseball, and it's not even a competition. He just had his first DL stint of his career this year. Otherwise, he'd be at the top of nearly every major, leaguer, every major league uh, leaderboard. Connor, we'll go to you first. Do you think the Angels have a chance of getting to the wild card game? I mean, they're only three games out of the AL spot right now. They're sitting at 55 and 58. The Rays are ahead of them at 58 and 55. So do you think it's possible that they can make a run and, you know, finally get trout a second playoff appearance
0: i definitely don't i love mike trout as a player like you said i think he's the best all-around player in baseball but this isn't the nba there can't be a russell westbrook that just carries his team he's not getting the ball every time there's eight other guys in the lineup that have to step up and produce and they're just not i mean there's 15 players that have had over 100 at bats for the angels this season and only four other guys besides trout are hitting over 250 that's a large reason why they're 24th in the mlb and producing runs. And with a guy like Mike Trout near 24th in the MLB for run production, that's pretty hard to do. And their rotation is middle of the pack. I don't see them going anywhere.
1: Yeah, that offense is concerning. I mean, Trout's OPS plus is a 216. Anderton Simmons is having a career year at 122. But they are the only players in that lineup that are above league average, uh, which is 100 OPS plus. The rest of them, you've got Martin maldonado 85, C.J. Krohn, 79. You know Escobar, who's been a pretty reliable bat in recent years, he's only at 99. So And Cole Calhoun has taken a major step back. He's only hitting 240 this season. So with Albert Pujols declining, the team's been shut out nine times this season already. That's an offense that really isn't going to be able to hold any water in the playoffs, and neither is that rotation really. I mean, you, they haven't had much success or health. Uh, either way from that rotation. So it just doesn't seem like a team that's built to make it. And like I said, they're three games out, but in between them and the Rays are also the Mariners, Orioles, and Twins. So they've got some teams to play with. The Rangers are only a game behind them. You've got the Yankees duking it out with the Red Sox for that top spot. So there's just so many teams in the American League that are competing for the playoffs. Maybe if they were in the NL, they might be able to squeak it in. Um, with how few teams are around, but at the same time, the NL is a lot more top-heavy, and the Diamondbacks have that second wildcard spot with a record of 63-48, and 48, so it's not like they would be competing even with the record that they have. But if they were within that many games, it'd be a much different story. With the AL, it's just so spread out, all the talent, that I just you can pull a name out of a hat, and that's probably who's going to end up with that second wildcard spot, but... I don't know. It's uh, it's an interesting playoff picture.
2: Yeah, there's seven teams in the American League wild card race that are all within 3 games so, and they're the and the Angels are the seventh team fighting for two spots. So, um I know I know it's, you know, they're they're playing better than they thought they would. They didn't make any deals at the deadline, so you know, you don't really think they're going for it, especially with the Trout injury, it's hard to buy in. Um, but I think like they should have just sold at the deadline. I don't know why they kept going for it because, you know, it's such a crowded race. Even if they make the playoffs, they don't have the rotation to go far, probably lose the wild card game. Um, I mean, you never know because baseball, it's whoever's hot, but still, you just look at this Angels team that don't look like a playoff team. Um, so I don't know why they didn't sell at the deadline. I know Matt could probably attest to this, but I think they have one of the worst farm systems in baseball, so why not build that up? Um, you know, same problem I have with the Orioles, one of the worst farm systems in baseball. I don't know why you don't build that up either. But uh, you know, it's it's great to see Mike Trout basically carrying a lineup that's not doing much. Um, and they're you know they're still in the race. It can happen. Uh, three games is not not a lot, especially on August eighth. Um, so you never know. But I I don't think the Angels have a shot.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think the Mike Trout without the Mike Trout injury midway through the season, I think the Angels. Might have one in three more games. They might be right there. They might have the second wild card spot right now. But with the Trout injury, they missed too much of their star player that literally is carrying this team. Uh, once again, without that injury, I think we're doing a different story.
1: Yeah, Kevin and I. For those listeners that have been with us every episode, you'll know that both Kevin and I are very pro tanking and you know doing what's necessary to win in the future. When your team isn't hanging around in the playoff picture now. You know, it's, it sucks for the Angels because they have the best player mm-hmm. of this generation on their team right now, and they can't win enough games to even get him a spotlight in October. With, like, imagine taking away Trout from this team and just looking at how weak that roster is. It's insane. The fact that they're even in the playoff race is solely because of him. So they just don't have the supporting cast this year. I can see them maybe making a few short-term off-season moves and get, jumping into it next year, but with a run differential of minus 18. I've tried to look through some sample sizes of the past few games and see if I could find, you know, a little run of success. They did win, uh, I believe it was five of six last week, but then dropped three straight, lost a series to Oakland, just lost a series opener to Baltimore yesterday. So it's just tough to see this team going on a run and really kind of taking advantage of the spot that they're in. Obviously, you never want to count out Trout, but you can certainly count out the rest of this uh, lineup and roster. So, honestly, the outlook isn't that great for them this year. They should have taken advantage of the trade deadline and made a few moves. They still got time in August. Now they should try and make some waiver trades. But you know, for the rest of the season, just gotta appreciate what Mike Trout has to offer, and that's about as good as it gets for the Angels.
2: Yeah, they have they can appreciate Trout all they want, but I don't think when he hits free agency, he's re-signing with the Angels. So. I mean, they might think that, but at the end of the day, if he leaves, that roster is weak. They have no farm system. I don't understand where they're going. So, I know they're trying to hold on to this because they're three games out. And, you know, they've they've been playing out of their mind. But, you know, like, like Matt said, we're pro-tanking. And I, I don't understand it because, you know, Mike Trout could easily be in a Phillies uniform. You heard it here first. Um, <laughs> in a couple of years. So, just... The Angels have to prepare like that's the worst-case scenario.
0: I guess you are pro-tanking. Obviously, I'm an Orioles fan, so we never tank. I love it. I love just going for it all, man. (laughs) Like, I I know...
2: And falling short every time. It's smart.
0: Yeah, and falling short every time. That's great. Whatever. We've made the playoffs a couple times.
1: Well, you know, I understand some point where the owner is like, you know, we don't want our fans to stop coming to games. You look at the Marlins... Or what the Astros were like when they were tanking. No one was going to the games, and they lost money that way. Obviously, they're, the Marlins are still on the downward trend, but the Astros are one of the best teams in baseball. And in terms of the baseball aspect of things, it absolutely panned out. But I understand where Angelos is coming from partially in that like he sees potential in his team and wants to go for it. But at the same time, like you just sometimes baseball has got to come first. And you look at that roster and you look at that farm system and it's just, you just got to shake your head because it's a team that's clearly screaming teardown and Angelus is just fighting as much as he can.
2: Yeah, I've been, I've been a victim of this for many years as a Phillies fan. You know, they they kept trying to go for it, they kept trying to go for it. And then next thing you know, guys on their roster had no value and they tried to trade them and they got nothing out of it. And you even see, you know, maybe if they started their rebuild two years earlier, they have a much better farm system. And uh, you know, it's it's kind of concerning where they're at right now. So uh, it just it just shows that if you have an inkling that you should that you should sell, you should probably should sh- probably should sell. Because you know, Ruben Amaro just did an awful job with the Phillies, and you know, maybe they'd be back to a playoff team at this point. But but who knows? They they waited too long, and the only great package they got was Cole Hamills, and I, I guess Ken Giles was a good package. But I. I'm, you know, I'm pro-tanking.
0: You're both right. I mean, obviously, you're both right. You should tank when you have the opportunity, if it's better for your team in the future. And being an Orioles fan, we should have tanked. We definitely should have tanked already. I understand that. But, but at this point, it's beyond repair. So if you have a team that can possibly sneak in for the playoffs and maybe have one last run, I say go for it. And that's what we did, pretty much. I mean, we weren't selling our big-name players. We weren't selling Britton Brock. So we picked up Tim Beckham, who's been amazing. He is going to be our MVP. I've already sensed it. So
1: why not give it one last shot? You've heard it here first, folks. In Connor McCarthy's words, go for it.
2: <laughs> you guys are lucky that I'm not the GM of the Orioles because I would have traded Manny Machado at the deadline too. I would just, I would have just sold everyone and, and built that farm well, system. Well, that's why you're not the GM. Yeah,
1: but Machado's got to go. Machado's
2: Machado's got to be traded because, you know, when he leaves and they get no value for him, you know – They get the small value from Major League Baseball, but...
1: And not even the qualifying offer. It's now a second-round pick. It's not a first-round pick. So it's really nothing.
0: Yeah, so
2: they get extra screwed.
0: I got one question for y'all. Who needs Manny Machado when you have Trey Mancini? (laughs) Honestly, who needs him? I mean, he's hitting better. He's better than Machado this season, so why not?
2: And I don't know how they look at that bullpen and don't see all of the value there. You know, they didn't have to get a King's Ransom for everyone. If they trade all three of them, they get a nice haul no matter what. And then on top of, you know, maybe trading a, uh, thinking about trading Machado, Machado would take a lot of prospects to get, you know, maybe even top three, top four prospects from a team to get Manny Machado. So I, uh, I'm just, just lucky, just lucky I'm not the GM of the Orioles.
0: Once again, the smart baseball in in me or baseball mind in me definitely agrees with y'all, but as a fan... I can't. I can't see it right now. I. I would, it would be. It would devastate me. It would devastate me. It would devastate the Orioles fans. Like you said, fans weren't show. Don't show up to bad teams before 2012 when we made the playoffs for the first time and since I was born, uh, nobody was at the stadium. And that's a beautiful stadium. Why make that go to waste? Uh, so ever since 2012, we've had the most wins in the MLB. Still have that record, and I just. I hate to see this dynasty come to an end without a World Series. It sucks, but. It's probably gonna happen, but I like what the Orioles are doing.
2: Yeah, that's the only con with tanking is that you have two or three years at least where you know fans are gonna become a little uninterested because the team's winning 65, 70 games, maybe, um, and then you have to you know look at their farm system and follow the prospects instead of following the major league team. But uh, it's all worth it, you know. You look at the Chicago Cubs. I know, I know they got a little lucky with their their rebuild and how great it went, but. Um, still, that's insane.
1: Well, I mean, the Nats moved to D.C. and were bad for seven straight years. So they had to win over a city, and they were finishing 500 or worse all of those years. So once they finally started competing in 2012 and have been good since, they've kind of won over the hearts of the team, uh, the hearts of the fan base, but at the same time, they had to be bad first. So that was the only way they were going to get Steven Strasburg, Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon and all those guys that they were able to grow through their own farm system. It's it's necessary. It sucks, but it's a way to build a winning team, and I think the best way to do it. So we'll see what the Orioles do this offseason. Hopefully we'll see Machado somewhere else for the Orioles' sake. Sell, sell. Sell, sell, sell. Well, that is going to wrap us up for today. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. You can find us on iTunes, TuneIn Radio. And blog talk radio. So be sure to check us out wherever you can. Follow us on Twitter. I'm Matt Wyrick at Matt Talk Sports. This is Kevin Haswell at Kevin R. Haswell and Connor McCarthy at Carthy2Connor. Thank you all for joining us. Kevin Connor, have a good one. Thanks, guys. Yeah, don't forget to subscribe, guys. Thanks.
2: With the Lucky Land slots,
1: you can get lucky just about anywhere.